Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier. Love this is on the this is the start. Yeah, boots and cats and boots and cats. And welcome to this week's episode. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. Hey, we're here at the Canon with Josh Robbins, CEO of Beachwood Marketing. Josh, appreciate you coming on the show and, and taking some time out of your busy schedule. It's good to be here. I got I was gonna say to the listeners, if you follow Josh on LinkedIn, you know that he's got like about a thousand meetings in a matter of thirty-six hours and he's traveling about a thousand miles round trip. Josh, why and what are you doing, man? Like 60 meetings in how many days? Three. Three days. Yeah. So have you done the math of like how many meetings that is per hour? No. You just know you got to fit it in. I just got to fit it in. That's nice. all it is. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. get it done. That's solid. Well, NAPE helps. You know, I'm here for NAPE. And when you have all people that you need to talk to all in one place at one time, it makes it a whole lot easier right. to make that happen. Right. So I'm on the road 43 weeks out of the year, give or take. And, you know, traveling everywhere, every oil and gas city that's, that's out there. So Midland and North. So, and, uh, when everybody comes here to NAPE, it's easier to just knock out everybody at the same time. You know, I don't have to go to Lafayette and Midland and Denver. I can just hit everybody right here, right now. Right. So is this, would you say this is like the Super Bowl of prospecting? Yeah. This is the one and only conference that I attend a year. So, yeah. And then when you're not at NAPE, you're basically, like you said, traveling, just sealing deals, wheeling and dealing. That's right. I love it. So let's, before we get talking into the weeds here, it's talking about Super Bowl, man. Are you just being from Boston? You must be pumped for old Tommy O'Brady. He doesn't even have enough freaking fingers on his hands to put more rings on. So you, you happy for that or what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a Red Sox guy, so I like, okay. you know, so, you know, we won the series and then we Turn around 90 days later and won another one. So it's good to be a Boston fan, yeah. you know, in, in 2019. And you're not even a bandwagon jumper. I mean, you literally, you, so you grew up in Boston, is that right? Yeah. Outside just Boston. Yeah, outside of Boston. So about 40 minutes to the West. But yeah, grew up when, uh, you know, Marty Barrett was playing second base and, you yeah. know, nobody knew anything. You know, it was, it was a terrible team to root for. You know? <laughs> so, so yeah, you live through all of that. And then, then they start winning and then everybody jumps on the bandwagon. And you're like, well. Huh. Welcome to the team. We welcome all. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm one of the originals, right. so don't try and mess with That's me. Right. <laughs> nice. Right. So growing up in the Northeast, give us a quick overview of how you, you know, I saw on LinkedIn and we were kind of talking a little bit before this, you kind of started off at Lowe's, you did some service for the country, and then here you are, CEO of Beachwood Marketing and just closing deals and, and you know, helping investors make money. So how did this all happen? You know, like any, any good idea, it happens by accident. So <laughs> yeah. You know, you get into a situation in sales where, where you're trying to sell whatever product it is that you're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the people that you're trying to sell to have no desire to do whatever, you know, whatever you're trying to sell them, they have no desire to get into. And so as a sales guy, you try to figure out how to make that happen. How, you know, you don't want to buy the product that I'm doing because you're going to exit the industry. How can I make money on the exit? Like, how yeah. can I, you know, and so you do the research and you try to figure out, you know, okay, so if a guy wants to get out of the oil and gas business and sell all his wells, what do you do? You know, oh, the, the common everyday thing that you do is you put it on an auction. Why? 
when why is that the thing? Why? Because we've always done it that way. You've right. always, you just take it to auction and you sell the stuff and that's just how it is. And as a sales guy, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, this massive opportunity. There's no such thing as salespeople that exist in oil and gas companies. Like there's engineers and geologists and, you know, there's no salespeople. So right. if you need to sell something, your engineer has to sell it. I don't know if you've ever bought anything from an engineer. <laughs> I'm sure it's a big spreadsheet and then they try and figure out some calculation as to why it adds value and why someone should buy it. But it's funny. I know some engineers that some customer engineers that have tried to do some side hustles and they quickly realize like they have a product or a widget that makes business sense. But ultimately, you have to convince someone that it adds value for them and whatever business or company that they work for. And I've been in part of, I want to say two that I remember. And afterwards, like, oh, so how did I do? You know, they kind of used me as a, as a guinea pig. And knowing that I'm in sales, I could quickly figure out, like, you're not going to sell a single piece of whatever equipment <laughs> or whatever software it is that you have. You know, if you give me some commission, I could probably sell the crap out of it. Right. But yeah, so <laughs> I say that to say... You're right. If, if you look at it from that standpoint, most people at oil and gas companies, uh, more specifically operators, yeah, they don't have a team of people selling their company because typically they're trying to, they're gathering data to sell it. But I guess I have a question. So in order to do that, do they then hire brokers or how do, or That's companies so, like yourself yeah. get involved? So the normal way of things, the normal way of doing things is that you either hire consultants or hire, you know, or, or you, you put all the data together and you put it on an auction site and they auction it off. And, you know, it's like roaming charges on your cell phone. Like, it's only going to last so long before that's not a thing anymore. Like, so 1999, the auction people decided to go online and, and do auctions online. And so it was huge in 99. You know, sending mass emails was, was a huge value add. It's not so much in, 19, you know, 2019. It's, <laughs> you know, Things have changed a little that's, bit. That's right. And so, you know, people are trying to do it themselves. You know, we talked about earlier that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is huge right now. And people are just like, if I can't do it myself, why can't I do it myself? Mm -hmm. And then they do the research and figure it out and, and go and do it. And that's what's happening with oil and gas assets. So if you're an operator and you want to, you know, buy an oil and gas well, there's only so many places you can go to go do it unless you're willing to make the phone calls to the people that exist in your space to go buy more wells. Mm -hmm. So what Beachwood does is we take that out of the equation. So we call about 4,000 people every month, oil and gas operator for the most part is where we live. It's our space. Right. So we're calling about 4,000 operators a month and we're tracking down deals that don't exist. So you come to me and you say, Hey Josh, I want to buy, you know, X number of wells in this box, go find them for me. And so we call everybody that exists in that box and say, you know, Hey, Justin, you operate out there. Do you want to sell? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to sell. And so we go about getting all the data that you have. And then we hand it over to the, the guys that we work for and then they buy it. Okay. So that kind of sounds similar to me and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be totally off the wall here, but is that the similar is, is like wholesale real estate? Cause I know when I was talking to a buddy back before the downturn, it was something I kind of stumbled upon a buddy who was doing it. And he was basically saying that like, he finds houses that 
that are in desperate sales. And he basically like, they might not necessarily be up for sale, but he convinces the owner, like he almost sells the owner and convinces them to sell the house and then finds the right price point to be able to then flip and sell. Like, I don't know if that is similar, but no, it's exactly what we do. It's exactly what we do. And we do it for oil and gas operators that are out operating their run their company. So you can, you know what you're doing day to day and you know, you talk to everybody, are you, it's 2019, oil's at whatever it is, a barrel. Do you want to buy more wells right now? Everybody's answer at NAEP and beyond is, yeah, I would love to buy right now. But again, there's no, there's no salespeople at the company. So you being ex-oil company are going to what? Spend your day, carve time out of your day to call the guy that's next to you or in the same vicinity or where you want to be and convince him that you you know he should sell the very first question he's going to say is you know what am i missing like why why do you want my well like when we're beachwood that's all we're doing we're we're selling the seller on you know this is your oil and gas well if you're not working on it it's going to make less money tomorrow than it is today it's a depreciating asset so if you if it's not on your list of things to do in the next X amount of years, what are you doing? Like it's just costing them money. That's right. Cash today is way better than plug tomorrow. So how do you do that? And again, the seller, for the most part, they don't. You know, even if you want to sell an oil and gas well, it's it's a pain in the ass to get it done. Like you've got to put all the data together. You know, when you sell your house. The realtor comes to your house and they take pictures and they get bullet points and they right. work for it. That's not how it works in oil and gas. You mean you don't take pictures of the wellhead and, and make fancy pamphlets no. and stuff? Nope. <laughs> that's not what. That's not how it works. <laughs> okay. I mean, but you've got to come up with all the data and you've got to deliver it to whoever's selling your stuff. So that's an, kind of brings me to my next question. So where do you get the data and, and do you have a team of people within your organization that? kind of come up with a package because essentially if you're going to, to market that well or, or block of wells, you kind of, you need a package to go deliver to a potential investor, right? Or a potential buyer or how does that work? So we operate outside of that. So okay. we work directly for the buyers, right? So we told, you know, there's a box, here it is, go find wells. And the box would be huge. You know, the box could be, you know, North Dakota to the Gulf of Mexico, if it's a certain type of well, you know, but we go and find it and then we work directly with the sellers because we get paid buy side only. The sellers pay zero dollars to sell their stuff. And we work with them to, to gather all the data, you know, and, and just like anything else. I mean, the basic data of buying a house, you got to know how many beds, how many baths. Like the basic info is really easy to find. And, the base, and especially when you're a seller, you know, you'll give the data to get the deal done. And so that's what we do. So we cut out all the red tape. So there's a whole bunch of, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to, in order to buy and sell wells. Right. And we cut out all of that. Mm. So you're talking about as a seller, you're going to know the general idea of how much your particular set of wells is worth just based on today's economy. What's the strip of today? How much do you think your well is worth? And then what would it actually transact at on the open market? And knowing that because you're, you know, you're an operator and you do this day in, day out, but you're not selling day in, day out. Whereas we are, 
And so, you know, you got when you got your finger on the pulse of anything, you start to know. Right. You start to understand the market and, right. and the, the trends and right. who's looking for what. And right. yeah. And so, you know, if you're selling at $70 a barrel and you're like, this is, you know, I'm just going to hang on and wait. What are you waiting for? Is it 70 a barrel or is it X amount of dollars for what you have? Like, and then get there. You know, just like anything else. Like right. if, if I was going to sell you a car and you're like, I'm not selling my car in, or, you know, if you were selling me your car, I'm not selling you my car because it's worth X amount of dollars. But if I was like, you know, really? I mean, what if I gave you X and Y would that work? You know, if I gave you money today and money tomorrow, would that work? You know, can I drive your car today? Just like anything else. Again, it's a sales environment that we live in. Because it doesn't exist. As far as like other Beachwoods, there's no such thing. No, that's, and I was going to ask. So I took a look at your website to, to get a better idea of uh, sort of what Beachwood was, what you guys have to offer. And I was immediately drawn to your guys' slogan. And it, and it says, we don't market to test the waters. We hit the market to make waves. So that kind of right away sets the tone. Like you obviously have a, have a culture within your company. And it's like, and I, I don't want to... And it may or may not be, which I'm supposed to it's not, but it reminds me of like Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, you're all over LinkedIn, hashtagging coffees for closers, you know, always be closing. You know, we're, we're trying to make waves. So are you guys like just aggressively nonstop on the phone, cutting deals, like hustling till the wheels fall off? You have to. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, there are people that do and there are people that talk about doing. That's it. That's, that's all. That's all there is. And so... You know, if I'm not out there, if I'm not on the road 43 weeks out of the year, somebody else is. Somebody else is talking. Somebody else is doing. And so, you know, there's, and that's that's my, that's how I do everything. You know, it's it's a hundred or nothing. Right. You're all in or none at all. Yeah. And you have to be in today. I mean, the market's for the most part are so flooded and everyone's trying to reach their way to the top. And so every minute that you're not paying attention or not doing something, your competitors are. And I mean, that goes with anything, sports, business, you got to be engaged all the time. And especially nowadays with, with technology, I mean, people are up all around the clock. You can conduct business at one in the morning, one in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. So I respect the hustle and I love it. And it gets me fired up. But I'm really interested in to bridge the gap from someone who kind of grew up in the Northeast. How did you get into understanding this business and creating this company? I mean, when did you finally realize there's an opportunity here for me to create a business? I mean, did you have partners, mentors? I mean, how did you get into all this? So the story, just like anything else, it started with someone that told me that they were going to completely sell out of, of the oil and gas assets. So I originally started on the compliance side of oil and gas. So I was selling compliance related oil and gas paperwork. And it was 2008, 2009, 2010, that time period. So the EPA got a whole bunch of money, new regulations started to come in. It really started to change what the oil and gas world looked like as far as, you know, what you had to make sure you had as far as, you know, the right signatures and the right places, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy told me that he was going to sell completely out. He wasn't going to get in compliance. He wasn't going to do anything. He was just going to sell completely out. And what was he selling? Or like, what was he getting rid of? Everything, all his wells. So he was an operator. And so I went and talked to the operator about, you know, hey, here's the deal. There's new things that you have to do. You have to, you know, fill these out. You have to get this paperwork. And he was like, Josh, I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. You know, I've been in this 40 years. Yeah. I refuse to, you know, 
the government to tell me what to do, et cetera. You know, sure. it's just like anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had worked with an oil and gas operator out of San Antonio, and he said, you know, we're drinking beer, whatever. And he said, you know, if you ever run across somebody that's like, I hate this well, I want to sell it, call me. So I call him up, and I'm like, hey, Dale, like, I don't know. I'm a sales guy, you know? And I, I don't know if he told me that he's going to sell everything so that I would get off his you know, get, you know, get out of his office. That's a the hell of a way to do it, you know. But if he's if he's not legit, then call him up and and get this done. And so he calls me back about two months later, and he was like, Josh, you know, I've been trying to buy John's Wells for a decade. We just closed. Let's do it again. And so so now, you know, I start. You write me a check. You start to get a little money, and you're like, okay, there's something to this, mm-hmm. like. How do people normally do it? And they don't. They don't normally do it. He, Dale approaches John once a blue moon over beer, and he's like, I want to buy your wells. And John's like, no. And that's the end of conversation. Like, there is no urgency. There's no, you know, and not saying that it never happens. It just, it's very rare. Again, John's running his oil company. Dale's running his oil company. And they never meet in the middle. So there's no one really facilitating a deal. It's more like, hey, you have something that I want, yes or no. Whereas someone like yourself or Beachwood can come in and like, you know, make it happen. And and sell each other on the deal. Call John and say, hey, you know, what's the plan? Is the plan to exit at any point in life? I mean, is it, are you going to keep all the wells? Do you like all of what you have? And the answer is always no, always, because again, it's like anything else. Do you like every room in your house? No, I, I would love to, you know, I watch DIY and I want to change that room into a man cave, whatever it is. Yeah. You always want to change whatever it is that you've got. And so that's the same with, with oil and gas companies. They've got, it's the 80, 20 rule, right? It's 20% of what you have is, is what you want to keep. What do you do with the other 80? So would you say that a lot of companies have a lot of just dead inventory that it like where you call somebody, is it pretty often that someone says, you know what? I'm glad you called because I have X amount of wells that I need to get rid of. Like, this is crazy. I'm just. Absolutely. And, And, you know, the kicker is, is that it's not dead. So people, they don't talk about it because it's cash flowing. It's making money for them every month. Why, why are you going to sell something that's cash flowing every month? What if you take that money and you can put it where you're currently operating? So, you know, we call in the box, you know, we want to buy this well. Well, I love that well, and I'm not selling it. You know what I don't like is I bought this package online, and it came with, you know, 20% of the package was exactly what I wanted, and 80% of it was garbage. And it's <laughs> out, and, you know, and it makes money, but I, it's too far. I don't like it. You know, I contract everything out. And if I could sell it, I would. I just don't want to spend the time, energy, money to go sell what's out there. So if we go do it for you at Beachwood, you know, tell me what you have and we'll go buy it. And that's it. Dude, that is such a cool concept. So what is your goal coming to NAEP? Now, I understand, obviously, it's like the biggest expo for different prospects. Who's your target audience when you come here? And because there's like I heard the numbers are astounding, like how many people are actually attending NAEP? How do you identify, because you obviously have to make every minute count while you're here. How do you identify who's, who's going to actually help get closer to a deal? Like what's your sort of mode when you're in here? So a lot of it 
again, it's LinkedIn and social is, is how I live. I mean, it's, right. I'm on it all the time and I, and I'm reaching out constantly to people, you know, I'm looking for the C-suite level guys that of, of operating companies. And so if I can make that meeting, I can make that introduction happen. At some point, somebody from Beachwood called you. That's, I mean, the math is there. Right. So if you've got oil and gas assets, you've heard of Beachwood. We've been doing it for, you know, I, I took this thing live in 2014. So okay. at some point in time, you've heard of Beachwood. And if you haven't heard of Beachwood, check your messages. Wow. But that's not even that long, like four years and yeah. you've reached out to probably almost every operator yeah. you can think of. Yeah. Well, there's only, you know, there's just under 15,000 oil and gas companies and we make 4,000 calls a month. So, I mean, we're running and gunning. And, but the kicker of it is, is that it's not about the first contact. It's never about the first contact ever. There's a stat that's like, you know, you can't get to people unless you call them eight times. Like that's just what cold calling is right now. And so, you know, we get boxes that we have to call and we're just churning. I mean, we are just getting after it. Again, you have to. You, you know, Nancy's going to answer the phone. She's going to tell you you can't talk to whoever you need to talk to. And you got to call back and you got to talk to Nancy again. You're like, Nancy, right. you know, I really, really need whoever, you know, get Mike on the phone. No, call back. Hey, Nance, there it is your birthday. Wow. Like, I mean, you got to you just keep going, you know? And so... When I'm here, it's getting in front of Mike. Like, it's getting in front of the guy that I can't get on the phone. Like, it's, and again, you know, it's, Beach was only four and, a, four and a half years old. You know, nobody knew me when I came in 2016. Nobody knew me, you know, when I was here in 2017. 2019, like, it's on. Like, wow. we're building, growing 300% year-over-year growth. Like, it's, we're making it. Good for you. That is, that's such a cool story. And I'm so happy that you're doing well. Let's take a quick break. For all the listeners out there, if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor and just take a few minutes to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated. If there's people out there that you want me to interview, if there's certain technology or certain companies that you're interested in, just please let me know. Leave a five-star review if you could. I also want to talk about some events that are coming up. We have actually, firstly, let's talk about some, some of the podcasts that we've launched recently. Main specifically, we've launched Oil & Gas Legal Risk Podcast. I think there's a good handful of, of episodes out there. Go ahead and listen to Sarah. She is very knowledgeable in that field. Leave her a review. Please help us out. We have another, we have Oil & Gas this week. Permian Perspective is about to come out. OGGN, we're, we're doing some big things and we're growing and it's exciting. And let's talk about happy hours. We're actually looking for sponsors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So if any listeners out there from the area and you guys want to sponsor OGGN happy hour, please reach out. We're also launching a Midland happy hour in February. We still haven't come up with a date exactly yet, but that's coming around the corner. If you're interested in one of the best happy hours in Houston, come hang out with me and the rest of the OGGN on February 26th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Cannon. Just come out, enjoy cold beer, food, and the opportunity to network with other professionals in oil and gas. Let's talk about some events. We're obviously here right now. We're going to go live with this one after NAEP, but that's February 11th to the 15th. So if anyone out there attended NAEP and you got some good stories, hit me up. Let me know how it went. If you close any deals, I'd love to hear about it and I can mention you on the podcast. I think that'd be really cool. We've got Energy Tech Night, February 21st. That's here in Houston. 
We have the SPE Intercorporate Top Golf Tournament. That's February 21st, Top Golf Katy here in Houston. And we have the SPE Innovation Entrepreneurial Symposium. That's February 27th. That's here in Houston. Josh, I got a couple other questions here before we log off. So you may have already answered it, but how does someone like Beachwood separate themselves in the marketplace? Because I'd imagine that, and it doesn't sound like there's too many companies, but the ones that do similar to what you're doing, I'm sure they're calling and trying to make deals just as you are. So what's the niche or how do you guys kind of separate yourselves from the rest? I mean, is there any sort of way of doing that? Well, like I said, there are a lot of different ways to go about selling your assets or, or buying new ones, right? Just like anything else. But it, it really just comes down to, are you doing it? Are you hustling? Like there's people out there that sell houses, sell cars. There's, you know, the good ones to hustle. That's, a, that's all they do. So I, mean, I would hustle the competition. That's all you got to do. That's no, it. And, and that's, it, it's simple, but it's easier said than done. Right. All day. So that leads me to my next question. You were mentioning earlier, you got a wife, you got two kids. How do you balance that? I mean, is there such thing as a work-life balance or do you just prioritize and make, make everything work? No, there's always, and we're celebrating 19 years in April. Congrats. That's huge. Thanks. You got to communicate. I mean, that's the deal, right? So it's just like, it's just like work, right? You got to communicate with your boss. You got to communicate with your, with your employees. You, you got to have that open line of communication no matter what you do. And so at home, it's the same thing. As long as the lines of communication are open, you make it happen. My kids are 16, 15, you know, I'm going to be 17, 16. They're going to be driving. They're going to be running around, you know, and you know, they're on Snapchat. So that's how I communicate with them. You know, I'm on the road 43 weeks out of the year. It doesn't matter if I'm on the road in Houston or I'm in the kitchen. Like, they're going to communicate with me through Snapchat. So, Dude, that's hilarious. That's- You're the first person I've talked to as a dad who's, who yeah. communicates with their kids over Snapchat. Yeah, but they probably think you're the coolest dad ever. Well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> but- I would if my old man did that. I'd be like, you are a G. Yeah. I mean, but you got to, I mean, you got to get on their level. I mean, yeah. just like anything else, you know. My wife grew up with her dad was a um, private pilot and they would call him at all hours of the day, all hours of the night. It doesn't matter what holiday you were celebrating. Like if a birthday is not on the national calendar, they don't know about it. And they would be like, look, we're going to go to Cabo, fire up the jet. Like, and then he would have to go and do that. So she grew up in an environment where that was the norm. Like mm-hmm. dad has to go to work. It's imperative that he works and, you know, and he's a private pilot. I mean, he's the smartest dude I know, you know? And so that's what she knows, understands, respects. And so when I'm like, hey, I got to go to Houston, I got 60 meetings. She's like, yeah, yeah, you do. Got to get, you know? And so it sounds like you have a great support system. And I have to to compliment your wife. I'm sure she's not going to listen to this. But if she does, a big shout out to Josh's (laughs) wife. He wouldn't be nearly as successful as he is today without the support at home. And and I can compliment my wife as well. I started off in Canada, bounced all over the U.S. When we were in Canada, we were building a home and I got an opportunity to move to Pennsylvania. And I didn't even talk about communication. I've learned since then. But I accepted a role in Pennsylvania while we were building a house. And, you know, she just shook her head and she's like, you're going to just shoot and then aim later, aren't you? And I said, yeah, that's how we're going to succeed. Don't worry, we'll make it work. So <laughs> again, have, you know, but she supported me. She gave me some, some crap about it, but she did. And, and it sounds like you have a, a very supportive family. That's what it takes. If you're, if you're happy at home and things are going well and you're communicating with your wife, 
then, you know, it's a lot easier to head out of town and, and do deals. And you don't have that stress in the back of your mind thinking what's going on at home. So I highly respect that. So coming into Nape, you got in last night, right? Yeah. Do you have a goal in mind with how many deals you're going to make? Or is it just more kind of getting leads and, and figuring out what's going on? Or like, do you have like a set goal? Like I want to seal 10 deals this week, or is that something that you do or what? I mean, you know, I want to close them all. So, <laughs> I mean, you gotta walk in the game like that. Like yeah. you've got to have that mentality where no matter what I do or where I'm going, the end game is close it all. Like right. that's how, that's how I operate. Right. And so when I meet somebody at NAPE or, you know, for coffee, like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what are we, what are we eating for? And how can, how can we make things happen? And, you know, again, we talk about LinkedIn all the time. Like people are fascinated by the hustle. Like they just want to, I don't understand, you know, I just, I just go. So yeah. it's, you know, it's like, okay, I'm in Oklahoma city, Fort Worth, Houston, you know, Austin, here we go. This is what we're doing. Like, that's how it is. And when people can get you and in one place at one time, they're like, okay, can I, you know, let me have whatever you're drinking. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like coffee's for closers, but yeah. like what's in your coffee, like, right. you know what I mean? And so, so I think a lot of that, a lot of the meetings at Nape are going to be, are going to be based in like, it's going to be a whole lot of, you know, hustle. Right. Like how can I, how can I hustle like what you're hustling? Like, yeah, no, it's attracting. And I forget the term I'm trying to come up with, but when, they, when people see someone like doing that, naturally they want to get on that level and then hustle. And I mean, it's, it's kind of human nature. And so like, Hey, you've motivated me just watching your LinkedIn videos and coffees for closers. I'm, I've been cold calling that work a little more just because it's like, you know, you got to hustle out there. I think that's the thing. I think we talked about earlier about the entrepreneurial culture and people don't understand that as an entrepreneur or, you know, even in any job that you've got, like if you're not hustling and motivated and you don't have anybody over your shoulder hustling and motivating you, like you're not going to do it. And so in the entrepreneur world, it's lonely. Like you've got to get out and hustle and there's nobody over your shoulder. That's like, Hey, you got to do this. So anytime people see me or Vaynerchuk or anybody that's, you know, no bullshit, like let's go. It's that over the shoulder, you know, motivation that people love that are like, yes. Okay. This is it. This is where, you know, let's do this, you know? And so, you know, you take, I just like it. I just like going a hundred miles an hour. That's my favorite thing. So I have another question. How many people work at Beachwood? So we're a relatively small team and, you know, there's folks on the phone. I've got somebody running data because I believe that the best data you get is, is manual. You can't, in my opinion, things are changing too fast to really, you know, download an app that's going to update you the way that you would update your own system manually. So I have somebody that that's all they do that, you know, there's a new private equity backed oil and gas company. They're based in Oklahoma city. They're looking for X that's in the system. When that press release comes out, I don't have to wait until they buy their first deal in order to figure out who they are and what they're doing. So, I mean, that's, that's really the team is callers, the data and me hustling outside. So that's what I do. And so you, what was your growth rate? You said you grew how much percent? It's 300 year over year. So, are you building your team or how do you scale up? No. So that's a great question. So I, I posted on LinkedIn a little while ago that I, that I, that I wanted to scale. Right. So how do I grow from 
seven clients to 70 because that's really what it is, right? It's, it's how do you, how do you make this? How do you cut copy paste and make it big? And is it, you know, add a hundred people? Like, how do I do that? And so I was looking, you know, I like Shark Tank, you know, I, I feel like if Shark Tank had sales people selling whatever it was that they, you know, we talked about it, what ends up happening is the people that make the cool things can't sell it. And so they can't ever get the money that they're looking for. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shark hunting. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go find me a shark and we're going to make this thing huge. And so immediately on LinkedIn, you know, I posted up like shark hunting. Let's make Beachwood humongous. I get 45 responses literally overnight. What? Yeah. Of people that are like, I'm in, like, I don't even care. How many of those were actually considered? So I look at everything, right? But the more I'm digging and the more I'm like, do I want a boss? Like, do I, how do I want this to go? Like Mm. I'm building and growing Beachwood a 300% year over year, which means it's going to be insane next year. Next NAEP, it's going to be bananas. Like it's just going to, like, I'm going to have my own, you know, $15,000 booth or whatever it costs to get one in NAEP or whatever. You know, it's, it's insane. It's, that's another conversation, but yeah, I mean, it's just going to be huge. And, you know, you're going to have to have a team to support that. But on my side of things, it's like you got to have the right team doing the right thing, making the right actions. And you can't just fill shoes. You can't like you can't just put somebody in place and be like, OK, you're going to be good. Of course. You know, so you got to you got to grow slow. You don't over leverage, you know. And so I took a step back like we're going to grow this, but we're going to grow it my way. I've never took debt. I'm, I've never had a partner. Like, I'm, again, I'm a sales guy from the ground up. And, you know, I'm willing to hustle and go out and blood, sweat, and tears on the ground to make this thing successful. And if someone comes in, you know, to, you know, this goes for anybody that's trying to start a business, to try to, you know, live that entrepreneurial life and they're trying to go get venture capital, like, you're going to have to convince your venture capital to, blood sweat and tears your whatever your vision is and they're not going to do it like it's you and you're going to have to carry them and a lot of people don't realize what that entails like you're going to have to pick up you know money's money and it's it's everywhere that's not the driving force of any successful company jeff bezos has a quadrillion dollars it's not about money it's about culture change it's about it's about the idea of Mm -hmm. How do I get Amazon in every single person's life every day? Right. Then the money is the byproduct. That's exactly right. Because the motive is it's not dollar bills. But if you're motivated and married to what you're motivated towards, the money will come. Right. So on Beachwood side, deals, we just do them. Like it's not about, and that's, that's the culture. The culture right now is sell a deal for 900% profit, go live in Fiji for the year or two and come back and do it again. Like that's not how, you know, we make 1.5% commission in the general scheme of life. I mean, that's zero. It's no money. Barely enough to cover anything. That's exactly right. You know, so you're a high volume, obviously you have. Yeah. And that's the, I want to be involved in every deal period for the next 30 years of Beachwood's existence, at least while I'm alive and kicking, that's the goal. I want to be in every deal because I think it makes more sense for targeted buyers to go find the stuff they want to go find, you know, want to go buy in the space that they want to go buy it in 
than having them just look at what's on the market. Like that just makes more sense to me. And I think just like anything else, I think if you wanted to go buy a house in a specific neighborhood because you want to put your kids in such and such school, right? And that house isn't for sale. You're willing to pay more to get those people to leave that house right. so you can go in there because that's, the, that's your perfect house. And it's the perceived value is what matters that's to me. Exactly it's not necessarily what the numbers show. That's exactly right. You're not asking them what they owe on their bank note. See what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so and on the oil and gas side, that's what we're doing. We go in, we run the spreadsheets. Like, obviously, you only owe X amount of dollars. I mean, you're only making X amount. And it's only worth X. It's not about it. It's about what are you going and getting? Like, how are you building your company as an oil and gas company? Like, what are you doing? You're, if you only buy what's available, you're going to buy 80% that you're going to have to resell. That's insane. Like just from human nature, like if you went out and bought a house that you only really liked the garage, like, and then you had to sell the rest of the house, like demolish the rest of the house and rebuild it. That's ridiculous. And that's what they're doing. That's how it's always been done. Right. And you're capitalizing on what the rest of the house. That's right. Wow. You've got the formula, man. And I got to applaud you for it. I'm pumped. I'm excited to see where Beachwood is going. If people want to reach out to you, obviously you're big on LinkedIn. I'll put your link in the show notes. Probably get a hundred DMs a day, but at the very least, that's that's one step closer to a deal. We'll put Beachwood's website on the show notes. Is there anything else that you want listeners to hear about before we sign off? No, and literally anybody, like it, it, you don't have to DM me for deals. Like sure. that's the deal, right? It's you need somebody to bounce ideas off of, or you've hit the new whatever. Like I've, I've been getting calls and DMs like, Hey, what do you think? You know? And I'll give my two cents because I think it's more important to move the culture forward regardless than it is for me to be like, I'm not talking to you because it's not deal related. That's ridiculous. Like if you've got questions like, Hey Josh, you know, I figured out how to whatever in oil and gas or in tech or whatever, you know, what do you think? How do you think? Uh, like a say, you know, is this sellable? Any of that? Like, I'll give you advice, or or you know, if you don't want advice, uh, you know, sure. I, you know, I'll give you, I'll shoot it straight. And so, there's something to give the people that are listening. Yeah, certainly, I, and that's highly. I mean, I respect the fact that you're highly influential. You're obviously very successful, but also willing to open your heart to anybody who's willing to at least help, you know, move the needle. And that's kind of similar how we hooked up. I hit you up on LinkedIn and said, hey, let's grab a coffee. And if you want to get on the podcast, but even if we didn't have the podcast, I would have hit you up regardless. So I certainly appreciate your time. I'm pumped to see where you go from here. Next year, we're going to have to sit down here again and see, uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, a yearly recap and just keep seeing you, you know, blowing and going here. It's hilarious. I love it. Before we head off here, let's, now it's time for our giveaway. We're sponsored by Tendeka and they're known for innovation and advanced completions and production optimization. And they're giving away a mini LED projector. It's perfect for home theater, boardroom, office, and pocket video. For a chance to win, click the link in the show notes and enter your information. We'll announce the lucky winners as they come in. And speaking of which, we actually had our first winner, the name of Dimitri Andreev. And excuse me if I pronounced it incorrectly. This gentleman is a production engineer at Oxy. Thanks for your support, Dimitri. 
And again, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate all the support, everyone out there. If you're looking for more information, visit www.oilandgasonshore.com. The link is in the show notes. And that's a wrap for today. And always remember, Oil and Gas Onshore, providing energy for the world through innovation, one well at a time. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, man. Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil and Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. 